This is Help Wanted, the show that tackles all the big work questions you cannot ask anyone else. I'm Jason Pfeiffer, Editor-in-Chief of Entrepreneur Magazine. And I'm New York Times bestselling author and money expert, Nicole Lappin. The helpline is open. Breaking up is hard to do. Ooh. <laughs> Don't ever let me sing near a mic ever again. Uh, that's going in the episode. <laughs> I'm sure it will. <laughs> Fuck. So here's what we're going to talk about. We're talking about breaking up, but also avoiding breaking up in business. You and I are friends. Sure are. And are building a company together. Yes, we are. <laughs> we are. Have you ever paused to consider whether that is a good idea or not? Nope. <laughs> I That's good. Hope it is. I hope so too. It's all on the line. Well, we are not alone. I did a survey a while ago. We're going to talk about it a little bit later, but really interesting. Of a thousand people surveyed, 78% of them said that they had worked together or built something together with a friend, family member, significant other, or a child, which is a lot of people. Yeah. And the problem, I hate to tell you, it can go wrong. Yeah. And it often goes wrong. And if you can get it right, if you can partner with somebody as a co-founder of a business or just as a partner in building a side hustle or maybe even just a really good team at a company, then you're going to build something better and faster and less lonely and you're going to be less crazy. But if you get the partnership wrong, what happens? Well, I'm not sure about the less crazy part. But okay. If you get the partnership wrong, you're not alone. We were looking up some stats of how many co-founding teams break up and we found a range from 35 to 80%. <laughs> I would guess that it's probably about 50. It's probably along the same lines of how many marriages end in divorce. Yeah. Right? Because like, this is just a different kind of marriage. This is a professional marriage. Yeah. So I have some experience in this a couple different ways. And I want to share them with you yes, because please. it's gone good. It's gone bad. I've learned a bunch. And ugly. And super ugly. There was singing. <laughs> Jason. <laughs> so here's the one that went wrong. And then I'll do the one that went right. Okay. A couple years ago, I partnered with this guy on... A little company. And it was a little media company. We had a podcast and some other things. And he was he was very nice. And when we met, we aligned a lot on vision of like what we wanted to put out in the world. And that felt really exciting by itself. It's like, yeah, we both want to do the same thing. We want to get this idea out into the world. But then as we started to work together and we ran into it really fast, we were just like, we're going to do it. And as it when I discovered, well, the first thing I discovered was that our working styles were incredibly different. He is a slower, more methodical thinker. I am a fast mover. And you can have two different styles, I think, but you better understand how each style can contribute to what you're doing instead of just being frustrated by how each other works. And so that started to fray at us pretty fast. I will pause. Do you relate? I do relate. I started a fi financial smartwatch. Um, like, a, like, a, like a watch? You didn't know this? No. Yeah. Like a physical watch? Like an you... actual watch. Okay. It was called Cash Smartwatch. Uh-huh. And it, it was right before the Apple Watch came out. Oh, you're a trendsetter. And 
I thought I was a trendsetter. I was like, wearables, a thing. Yeah. Like, meet your customer on all of the screens. Here's a little baby screen. And like, <laughs> you know, multimedia platform. Yeah. And if you're tracking your money throughout the day, you know, this is a reminder. It's top of mind. It's like, you know, a Fitbit for finances. Okay. So I called it cash because I also had this other hypothesis that people are using cash, actual cash, mm -hmm. throughout the day, mm -hmm. and then they're losing track of that or little expenses, right? You paid your nanny, you paid for a newspaper. I mean, this is, you could tell like when this was being ideated, when, yes. when people were still buying newspapers. Listen, I still buy a newspaper, <laughs> right. so Right, whatever. so you're building a smartwatch <laughs> in 1875. <laughs> Another part of why this failed was because I didn't test a lot of this stuff and I just assumed that I needed this. Yeah. So everybody else would need it. Which is a very, very classic mistake that yep. people make. Sure is. <laughs> and so I launched this with HSN. I had a meeting with the CEO at the time, uh, Mindy Grossman. And she was like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, yeah, let's do it. And then I was like, shit, how do I do it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the worst part of yeah, let's do it is that then you have to do it. How do I do this thing? And the QA process, which I didn't even know what QA was at the time, quality assurance, yeah. was bananas. We ended up the night before it went out, uh, having to go through thousands of boxes to take out like a charger that didn't pass their QA process mm -hmm. or something. It, I mean, yeah. the, the stories are endless. On I'm surprised on. you haven't. No, I didn't know about this. Yeah. And the co-founder that I brought on for that was similar, like a thoughtful sort of old school guy who was cerebral about the things. And I just wanted to go fast. In, mm. in hindsight, he actually probably was right about being more thoughtful about this. Yeah. Anyway, it was a complete disaster. I ended up folding it like after a couple of HSN appearances mm. where the sales were dismal and yeah. not enough cash on the watch. Not enough cash for cash. Yeah. I So I had a similar situation where I also had a different, very different personality from a co-founder. Right. And dissolve the relationship quickly. I love what you said there in thinking back to it about how he had a point in how he was approaching it and you didn't see it at the time. I do not feel that way about my co-founder that didn't work out because I thought we needed to move faster. And yet, I think in both cases, the challenge here was a either lack of communication or a lack of real understanding of what the goal was and how we were both going to contribute to the goal such that we were aligned on something bigger than just what we needed to happen next week or next month. That's what ultimately broke things down because had I had a more coherent vision for that little media company and had you had a more coherent vision for the watch company maybe those two different styles could have found some way in which they came together and helped grow it. But instead, they just broke it apart. Well, I'm going to push back on you okay. on this one because I, I'm sure there's something you did wrong. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure that he was valuable in some way, right? It's like when yes. people have an actual breakup and they're like, fuck my ex. I hate them. They're the worst. They're yeah, yeah, Satan. Yeah. And it's like, wait a minute. Like, you picked them, A. Yes. And... Like, you know, you probably had a contributing role in this. Like, did you not do enough work yet to realize oh. where your fault was? To be clear, I was not a perfect partner in any way. I just think that we we would have benefited from 
more speed. Whereas I think in that case, you would have benefited from a slower testing of the marketplace before rushing in. So that I think was just a mistake in strategy on both sides. But as me as a co-founder, no, I was terrible. I'll tell you the problem that I had, which was that I like to move fast in the things that I make, but I also just like to move personally fast. And if I don't feel like I'm working with someone who can keep up with me, then I just start getting ahead of them. Oh, you know, it's almost like you're walking down the street and you walk really fast. And I am a fast walker because I live in New York. And and (laughs) and if someone over We had that problem. We were walking around LA and I kept getting ahead of you. Don't wear uncomfortable shoes. Yeah, no, you do not. No, you got to, we're getting the heart rate up. You can check it on the watch that people bought. Sorry. (laughs) So, so what ended up happening is that I just knew that let's say I got in touch with some potential partner and I wanted to talk to them and I knew it would take my co-founder a couple days to think about it. Should we do it? And then it's going to take like a week to schedule the meeting. And I just needed to go. So I would just start taking calls by myself. And that satisfied my craving to move fast. But of course, it just made him feel alienated. And therefore, it just started to fray the relationship because now I had more information and I was gathering it faster. And then I wasn't like catching him up on everything. And so I was I was a terrible co-founder. But I think that, again, it all goes back to it wasn't just about understanding our different styles, but it was that we weren't in regular touch about what the mission of this company is and how everything that we each individually do and collectively do are going to contribute to that. And we hadn't laid out a plan of how we have distinct roles and responsibilities that each contribute to that goal. Instead, we were just going. And because we were just going and we didn't have enough of a plan, every little thing that we did differently ended up pulling each other further apart. Yes, and I would argue that Mm -hmm. we're unconventional co-founders. You and I? Yeah. Yeah. We made a show. Mm -hmm. We're we're making things, we're moving fast, we're breaking shit together, and we don't have a formal plan. So if you'll read a lot of articles in business magazines, maybe you've heard of them, um, (laughs) about like breaking up with co-founders and what to do to avoid it, it says that. Don't write it on a napkin, just like a prenup with a a romantic relationship. Have a lawyer look at it and stuff like that. But we haven't done that. That's true. we're doing just fine. That's a really good point. How about that? Why do we work? Why do we work? Well, I know. Well, hold on. Do you think we work? I do. I do too. Ah, that's nice. Nice check-in. That would have been horrible if I said. That would have been so awkward. Not sure. <laughs> and I know you would have told me the I, truth. I absolutely would have, and I know you would have. I yes, I think that the reason that this works is because we have enough alignment on a couple different things. Number one, we both move at the same speed. Soups fast. Yeah. And so that means that I never feel like one or the other is getting ahead, hustling down the street. And the other one's like, wait a second, I'm back here at Pret trying to get a sandwich. So there's that. Two, even though we don't have a formal plan, I think that we have enough of a concept of what the plan is. And we are both really open to experimentation to get there. This is something we just ran in the magazine recently was a guy who has a Wall Street background. And then he started building a company with like an influencer. It's like very, very different. And at first he came in and he's like, I'm going to be the guy who just like whips this team into shape and like gets everything to be very efficient. And the partner of his who does not have the deep business background that he does started to tell him, hey, you are pushing people in ways that make them risk averse. 
Because they're afraid that you are always looking for what's wrong here. And so what I want you to do, she said to him, is I want you every week to identify things that people did right Mm. and then call them out for that. And he said that not just built a better team because people felt recognized for their hard work, but it also shifted his own mindset because now he was forcing himself to look for the things that had gone right rather than his old mindset, which was to only look for the things that go wrong. And I think that if we're talking about like what makes us work, it's in part that we are not intentionally, but just in the natural course of order doing versions of that all the time where, oh, that was a really smart thing that you said, or that was awesome that you just did that. And I like that because it's just, it's a reason to continue to build productive conversation, right? Instead of just talking about what it is that we need to do next, I think that the more that you can personally relate to and feel like the champion of the person that you're working with, then you're excited to continue to build with them. I think what's valuable about telling co-founders what they're doing right is that you also tell them what they're doing wrong. And so they believe you more when, like when I tell you a compliment, I also give you a hard time about a thousand things and the whole nice and kind thing and tell you, you know, where I think you can up your game because they care. And then when I think it just gives more weight to when people do compliment you. And you know what is the tie that binds on that is working with people who you feel you can learn from. Like that, that is critical. And so when you say something or when I see you do something that I just find very impressive, I think, oh crap, that's like awesome and I I need to absorb that. And it also, it like puts me on my heels in a good way, which is right, which is just like, I have to keep my game up here. That's good. I think that's a really good thing. That comes down to having co-founders who have distinct value that each other recognizes and that you respect in a way it's almost like thinking about each other titles aside the micro ceo in something right like you're the ceo in giving people the smackdown because you're really good at that and i'm the ceo in whatever the hell right and it's just like you know which person is going to be best at one particular thing and therefore you know who takes the lead in almost a minute-by-minute basis. Yeah, and maybe that's the answer to you running so fast when we're actually walking around uh, Santa Monica is being on your heels, right. getting heels. That's, <laughs> I don't know. Stick around. Help Wanted will be right back. You know, Jason, I wouldn't let just anyone be my co-host. Oh, no? No, I take very seriously who I bring on to my dream team. And that's why when I need to hire, I go to LinkedIn Jobs. Well, you're not the only one. Two and a half million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. That's right, because LinkedIn has a network of more than a billion professionals. And you can find candidates that you can't find anywhere else. It's also so quick and easy. When you're running a business, you can't be a full-time recruiter, too. You're a full-time everything else. But with LinkedIn Jobs, you can post a job description in just a few clicks. And did you know there's even an AI feature that can write the job description for you? So brilliant. What a great time saver. And it's also my favorite price. Free? Free 99. Yes. Yes. I mean, if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you are looking in the wrong place. Go post your job for free at linkedin.com slash help wanted. That is linkedin.com slash help wanted to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Help Wanted. Let's get to it. What was the good story? Oh, yeah. So the good story was that I wrote a novel with my wife. And when people hear that I did that, the very Mr. first thing- Mr. Nice Guy. Mr. Nice Guy. It was called Mr. Nice Guy. It was a romantic comedy. So funny. Thank you. 
And can you briefly just say what the synopsis was? Sure. It's hilarious. It is. It is a novel about two people who each week sleep together and then critically review each other's performance (laughs) in a magazine. So the idea was like, what happens when you apply brutal honesty to the thing that nobody's ever brutally honest about? And people always said, how did your relationship survive writing a book together? And the answer goes back to this phrase that I've already used, which is distinct roles and responsibilities in that we understood what each of us brings to this project. And so that by itself and a respect for each other and a desire for the project, good or bad, to not supersede the larger important project, which of course is the marriage, um, I think helped keep everything in check. But I think what made it really, really work was that I understood what her strengths were, and I deferred to her on those strengths, and she understood what my strengths were and deferred to me on those strengths. So what what did that mean? Well, in the case of writing a novel, it meant that I don't know how to write fiction <laughs> at all. I'm I'm a nonfiction person. So, but Jen has written a number of novels. So we talked the book out together. We concepted it out together. We outlined it together. She executed on the character development and really the bulk of the the like storytelling, the writing. I had these very particular areas in the book because it was set in the magazine world that I knew really well. And the columns that the characters write, we included in there. And because I have written columns before and currently do, I wrote all the columns. So we had these distinct areas that we we had divvied up. Then what was really important was that because we were aligned on so many things, when we were unaligned, either on something in the book, what the character should do, or because I was totally not pulling my weight on actual work on the project. Jen was writing much more. She was spending much more time on it. I was juggling it with a number of other things that I had also prioritized. And so she was getting annoyed with me that I wasn't working on it enough. And so I realized I need to step it up because I respect all the work that she's done, right? It goes back to this understanding of what the project is and what both of you are bringing to it. And therefore, you feel the responsibility to make sure that you are you are really satisfying and meeting what the other person is bringing. And so there were times where the only time that I could work on this book was to wake up at like six in the morning. And so that's what I did to just get this thing done. And as a result, we published the book and we're still married. Yay! <laughs> Success! How about that? Yeah, I think it's divide and conquer, project manage, little projects, even if they don't feel like big projects along the way. When Jen and I were working on that book, I ran a survey of a thousand people to see what it was like for them to work with people that they cared about. 87% of those people said that working together was a positive experience. said it even strengthened their relationship, but there were disadvantages. 14% said it pushed them apart. 15% said it permanently damaged a close relationship. 8% said that they've left a job because of an argument with a close friend or a family member. Isn't that interesting? So here is what they said made it work. The people who got through it. Okay. The number one most important thing, what we've talked about already, 
establishing clearly defined roles and responsibilities. 68% of people said that. Allowing for constructive criticism comes next. 65% of people said that. You and I have already covered that. Respecting confidentiality. Ooh, that's interesting. 53%. Uh, Setting aside time outside of work to spend time with each other. 48% said that was important. That really is. Respecting financial arrangements, 34%. Not making any exceptions to rules. That's an interesting one. 35% said that. And establishing a process for an exit, 24%. Hmm. Look, we said that stuff. I didn't even see that data. How about that? We just are the data. (laughs) You're living the data. (laughs) And I'll just leave our listeners with this takeaway. I worked with Jen actually on a New York Times article that she was writing about couples and how they use uh, work software and tools in their personal lives. And one thing one of the couples used are OKRs, Mm. which is something created by John Doerr, who's a legendary investor at Kleiner Perkins. So uh, objectives and key results, which you can use in your personal life or in business. And it's just one tool that you can use to clearly outline just that objectives and key results and stick to that and measure to those metrics. Help Wanted is a production of Money News Network. Help Wanted is hosted by me, Jason Pfeiffer. And me, Nicole Lappin. Our executive producer is Morgan Lavoie. If you want some help, email our helpline at helpwanted at moneynewsnetwork.com for the chance to have some of your questions answered on the show. And follow us on Instagram at Money News and TikTok at Money News Network for exclusive content and to see our beautiful faces. Maybe a little dance? Oh, I didn't sign up for that. All right. Well, talk to you soon. Bye.